Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Everyday Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Here we search out for individuals who have had growth in one way, shape, or form during their lifetime. Community, welcome back to the show. If you are brand new, get ready. Put that seatbelt on. This is going to be a wild ride for the next hour. I talk to Ross Stremme. Ross is definitely the epitome of Clark Kent and Superman because during the day he is a licensed CPA and when he's done working he rips off his suit and he actually goes to the gym and he's a strength and conditioning coach. So this is definitely a very interesting conversation I have with Ross. We touch base on everything from strength and conditioning to what what he wants to do in the future to helping athletes on and off the field for football. That's his specialty. He now has a good job with the local high school that's called, that is called Lincoln Way. And he is the strength conditioning coach for them. He does all their programming. He helps kids from freshman to senior year become the best version of one's self. And here on the Everyday Growth Podcast, you guys know that becoming 1% better is definitely, definitely the mantra of what we like to put out there in the real world. Ross is the man when it comes to this stuff. Anytime I have a question about training, I go to Ross. Every time he has a question about nutrition, he comes to me and we switch back and forth and we educate each other on that and for so we can become the strongest person that we can be in and out of the gym. Now, with that being said, Ross is a full-time CPA. He works a lot, but this is what he wants to do down the line for his future. He's a very young guy. He's got plenty of time to think about it and he's growing each and every day with his mindset, his nutrition, and his training. So guys, when I say grab a pen and paper, I really do mean grab a pen and paper. Like I always say, take notes, write this stuff down. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey, your gym journey, your fitness journey, your nutrition journey, you will come out at the end of this hour with tons of tons of informational nuggets that you definitely want to digest later. So take notes, pay attention, and uh, you guys buckle up. This is a really amazing, amazing talk with Ross Stremme. But guys, I want to talk about the podcast sponsor for today, and that is Ambition Threads Company. No matter what you do, whether it's in the gym, in the workforce, wherever or whatever, Ambition is the brand for you. Ambition is a motivating lifestyle clothing brand empowering individuals to be the best version of themselves each and every day. Now, this is such a cool thing because I was able to talk to the owner of the company, and he has given this community a 20% off code. When you guys go in, pick out some clothes, pick out the new hats, pick out the new the new jackets that they have dropping. You guys, they have some most amazing stuff inside and outside the gym, like I said. Use code every day when you guys check out and you'll get 20% off any and all purchases. That's code every day. You guys, without further ado, I know why you're here. Ross Stremme. Community, what is going on? Welcome, Ross Stremme, my good friend the second. How you doing, brother? Good, how are you? Dude, I'm doing great, man. How's, uh, how's life treating you right now? How's quarantine happening? Uh, first off, I want to say thanks for having me on. It's an honor. I love your podcast. I think it's great. Um, quarantine life, uh, you know, it's not all that bad. I'm still training in the morning. Um, I don't have to commute three hours a day, so that's always a plus. <laughs> I'm still working my hours in accounting, so it's not like I'm unemployed. I don't have to commute. I'm still training, so I it, not much has changed for me. What about you? Yeah, so it's, it's just a little different. You know what? The gym's being closed. Um, all the, everything's closed. The gym's being closed. And the private facilities that I train at are being closed. And it's, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. But this has actually given me time to reflect on oneself and kind of get into more of the things that I'm not doing. And um, I think I needed the break to 
tell you the truth because I've been sleeping quite a bit. Um, and opposed to when I was working, I was waking up at like four four thirty AM every single day. And so I think I feel really good though. My body feels good. It's a little stiff just from not moving like you are moving all the time, but that's going to change. I'm back on track uh, this week for sure. And, uh, looking forward to getting out of this quarantine. I just want to train again and see, and see clients again and get kind of in that personality type thing. Um, but besides that, man, like, uh, what's, uh, what hasn't changed. And if you're working, you're working in finance, right? Is that what you're doing? Accounting. I'm a CPA. Uh, there you go. I got my CPA like a year and a half ago. That was the hardest thing I ever did. So we go back to like, uh, a lack of sleep. I mean, there were some days I was sleeping like two to three hours a night. Uh, I was at my first job. They would send me to Kansas city and we would just work from like seven in the morning until like 11 at night. And I still wanted to train. So I would go and hit up LA fitness and I would go train there if they gave me like an hour off and then I would come back and put in like two hours of studying. And before you know it, I mean, I was sleeping like three hours, you know, like I said, a night you're traveling, you know, five, six hours a day between getting to the airport and or not a day, but at least a week, you know, you fly out Monday morning, you come back Thursday night or whatever schedule to have you on. So yeah, that was a tough time. That was not easy. The CPA is the real deal. I'm so glad that's over. Like I said, one of the hardest things I've ever done just because I didn't want to do it. So when you don't want to do it and you're just waking up every morning, grinding through, grinding through, grinding through, and finally it was over. How long was, how long was that? How long did that take you? Man, I decided when, right when I graduated, like football was over, I was fucking down in the dumps. I had an NFL combine invite. I decided not to do it. Uh, so I started my first job. And after I started my first job, they're like, hey, we'll give you a $5,000 bonus if you take the CPA. And I was like, fuck it. How hard can it be? <laughs> it was hard. So I take it. I studied like for the first part. I studied five months for it. I failed with a 67. When I got that score back, I was like, there's no possible way I can pass this. But then I regrouped. I made adjustments. I came back. I passed, passed, failed, passed, passed. So then I passed four parts. But from the beginning to end, it took me like almost two years. It took me January of when I graduated, January of when did I graduate? 16 was college. So yeah, 16 to about uh, September of 18 so yeah just about two years and that's a pass fail right it's a four-part pass fail yeah pass fail okay and then when you pass one part you like can you bank that and hold on to it or do you just pass all four at once uh you can bank it so once you from the date you pass your first part you have 18 months to pass the other three oh. and if you don't then it starts lapsing and then you're trying to catch up and that's like a position you don't want to be in so you're under not only you have to deliver during the test but you're also under the restriction of hey you don't if you don't pass this in a time frame like you lose credits for parts you have passed so yeah, it was hard it was a hard road man i mean some people get accounting and i just never got it so when that was done it was just a huge monkey off my back and now that's just a full-time job right now what yeah that's my full-time job yeah other than you know doing the lincoln way stuff well when they were in school and then i was training baseball players in the evening other than that yeah that was that's my full-time and then I do the gig on either side of that. So in the mornings, football, uh, at night, baseball, I was doing. So where did this love of like the pursuit of strength start with you, man? And and because, because for me, and I'm going to say this, you know, wholeheartedly, um, no filter, 
by far, you and I have been friends for quite some time. We grew, um, we grew our friendship very quickly. I just think we're kind of in the same mindset. And like I always say on the podcast, like you need to have those motherfuckers around you uh, with the same, you know, with the same mindset that think the exact same way um, in one way, shape or form to actually push you and, and make you better. But I know physically you are the strongest man that I've ever met at your age and the things that you do and how you train fucking blow my mind. And let me just say to the community really quick, this dude's trying to get me to train with him so many times in the past two years. And I have totally turned him down because my fucking brittle ass body cannot train like that. So where did this pursuit of strength come from, man? And where did your love of powerlifting start and the learning like the conjugate method? Like where did this all start for you, man? Well, first off, thank dude. I appreciate that. That, that was sure. awesome. But, um, it started, I don't know, like when I started playing baseball when I was from the time I could, that's when my dad had me play. And, uh, you know, in baseball, there's not much conditioning. I was just like 190 pound eighth grader, real fat. Uh, so I, my dad finally was convinced. I, I said, I really want to play football. So when I was eighth grade, finally let me play football. And the weight limit was like 180. So I needed to lose 10 pounds. But I mean, when you're in eighth grade football, they kick your ass. I mean, all you do is run, like run monster laps, run sprints, up, downs, this and that. And I just ended up dropping to like 170 pounds, you know, during that camp and playing football. And that's when I first got introduced to like, for, like serious, like conditioning. And then I go through football and, you know, I didn't realize it at the time through high school. I enjoyed training for the football season more than actually ever playing football. And I think that the point when this all turned, when I really found like strength conditioning is really what I want to do is when I met a kid, Troy Torrance at the university of St. Francis where I played college. When I went there, like I was this 18 year old, I thought I knew everything. And then I met him and I thought I trained the hardest. And I was like, Holy shit, this kid trains way fucking harder than me and he was an all-american I mean he he proved what he could do and from there when I got there I, I said I need to surround myself with people like him so from the time I was a freshman I mean I just followed everything he did and we just trained together and we became best friends in, in college I mean we would wake up we would train we would do the football team training which was like six in the morning at the time go to class from like nine to noon we'd come back we'd go to the field we would do I would throw him passes because he played receiver and I would do one-on-ones he would be like a D lineman and we would do that in the afternoons then we'd go back to the library we'd study we'd go to uh, team dinner and then we'd go and we'd train again like some days we we're training four three to four times a day like Jeez. from there I learned like what can I do and if it wasn't for him I would have never gotten uh the NFL combat invite that I got because I mean the work we put in it was it was insane nobody on that team worked as hard as we did and I can say that with a fact I mean that's why he went to OTAs with the Bears I mean that's why he um that's why he was on undrafted on NFL Network but if it wasn't for him nothing like I probably would have never passed the CPA I mean you think about like these people you meet right. in your life and I mean like how he helped set a whole foundation for my whole life like how to work your ass off I mean, I have a lot to, uh, you know, appreciate that he gave to me. But from there, I mean, that's probably when I learned, like, this is what I want to do. So how did that come? Like, what did you think training was before you started training? Because 
I think your love of training right now and how you train the high school football team, which is Lincoln Way community in the area where we live, it's called Lincoln Way. It's, it's one, of, one of the top high schools in the area. They don't lose. They win state every single year. And when they do win, they're basically undefeated throughout the entire season. And they still win state, which is just unheard of. I mean, we got kids, we got kids going to what, uh, pro ball in the next couple of years, right? There's so many kids, but it's like, do you see the flaws in how basically all high school coaches or all high school, AKA trainers, like the train their kids, you see flaws in everything that they do. Is that kind of the way you like to train as well as pushing that, like that, that conjugate method, the, the strength over everything method and just kind of putting in the, putting in the reps, right? Like every single day you got to put in the reps and I see you do it. And I see how that's how you love to train athletes as well. So I think you found something there that kind of bridging the gap of like crappy training to like what they should be doing. Yeah. Well, you know how it is. I mean, just because you're a, a football coach doesn't mean you're qualified to train the weight room or coach right. the weight room. So, I mean, there is that disconnect. Like any place I've been, there's always football coaches trying to put their nose in the weight room where they don't really belong. Just like right. I don't belong on the football field, you know, calling plays or whatever it might be. But yeah, I mean, um, but at Lincoln White East, it's a really unique culture. I mean, there's a reason they went to state all the time. Um, they have, they all work so hard. It's so easy. It's one thing to get a kid or an athlete and you're trying to force them to come train with you. You're like, come on, come on. Like it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. That's, that sucks. That shit sucks when you don't, when you have a kid who doesn't want it and you want it more than the kid at East. I mean, they just want it so bad. It makes my job so easy. There are no kids that show up late. I don't have to look at kids and make sure they're not missing reps. Like the guys at the rack, make sure that, each player stays accountable. It makes my job so much easier to be part of a program like that, where the head coach, Rob Zonar, has just created a culture that's unparamounted to other schools, and that's why they are superior to other schools in the area. Where do you see the, the training methodologies of high schools and where they should be? Like, where, where do you see the breakdown of the methodologies, which is basically just like, just lift, lift with, I don't care about form. Just put a bunch of weight on the fucking bar and lift. Let's do the three major lifts. Let's do, you know, bench squat deadlift and let's just lift. And I think with you stepping into the weight room, I think it's kind of, that's changed. I know that's changed because I know how you are and I know what you let slide. And it's not a whole fucking lot that you let slide, even with your brother and shit too. When you guys train, you know, it's like, you're at each other's throats, whoever you train with. It's like, this is how we're doing it. Like you do it the right way or get the fuck out of here. Do you still lay that down? Like in the weight room with these kids? Yeah, there's definitely discipline. Like we do all sets together. So the first set, first group, we do it together. The first set, second group, we do it together. I mean, there's no piddly paddling around. Like I know what I want your rest interval to be. So we're going to train at this intensity and this quickness to make sure that this rest interval is appropriate. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as what I see in other programming, uh, this goes to college too, is um, it's not really sophisticated enough. It doesn't have to be sophisticated enough to where it's too confusing, but it has to have some kind of, uh, your athletes in a form now, right? And you're trying to get them to this other form. You want to become a novice, a, just a beginner, and you want them to become a professional. And I, I see so many of these programs, whether it's college or high school, they're so worried about right now. But you have to take a step back. When you get these kids, you have four years, 
four mm. years to make them into what you want them to be. And when you want it right now, that's when you start getting injuries. That's when you start overtraining. You want the you want their squat to go up 100 pounds in six weeks. Like that's that's not possible. What about 100 pounds in the year? And then how about 300 pounds in the four years? We, it needs to be looked at as this long-term periodization. And then you can look at it even deeper. And if when I increase strength, strength is not the only thing that determines an athlete, especially football. It's not strength is the end all be all. There's a lot of power that goes into football. So every play, if I'm an offensive lineman and I'm run blocking, most of the time I'm trying to explode out of my stance, be powerful, engage the down defender, and then drive him off the line of scrimmage. So there's a strength and power component. I can't just drink I can't train a football player like a power lifter and just be mm. focused on strength all the time because then they'll be slow. At some point there has to be a conversion of the strength into power. Where does that come from then? Does that come from um, obviously the timing that you, the rest intervals, the, the reps, um, do you do more accessory work for speed or how does that kind of come into play? I mean, if you're, if you're backing off of a heavy barbell and any lift there that there is, there has to be some kind of accessories put into place for that because that's basically what you're saying, right? Like just because the entire line can back squat 400 plus pounds doesn't mean they're out there fast. They can be slow as shit. It doesn't matter what the weight is. It matters with speed and weight. I mean, it all met the whole package, right? That's what we're kind of looking at. So where would that come into play? Even for people that are listening to this, that if you don't play sports, if you want to get, if you want to lift more weight, obviously if you start focusing on you know, different twitch and all that stuff. Like, where does that come into play? Is that more accessory work or is that, is that, is that the reps? Is, is it the, t- the timing of the, the, the times you're waiting for the, to get your next set in? How do you kind of variance that? Or do you kind of like an all overarching thing of everything? You got to do everything together. Yeah. So right now with Lincoln Waste in particular, I've taken more of a linear block periodization. So uh, it, I begin them with this thing called a preparation phase, right? So that's phase one. And during that time, we're focused on single leg stuff to get, because they won state last year, they had a long season. So when I get into this first block, I want them to work on single leg things to work on any imbalances. I want them to work on uh, tendons and ligaments to make those stronger. Um, so we'll do hundreds of hamstring curls. You can ask the guy hundreds of barbell curls to strengthen your, uh, your joints, right? To get you ready for future work. And then usually once that's done, three to six weeks, we're just getting the body ready and recovered from a season and then getting it ready for the next season. We will work on strength. So strength is usually anywhere between one and five reps. You can go one and six. And the reason I'm working on strength is, like I said, I don't need them to be the strongest player in the, in the world. If you go to uh, any, any football team, the strongest kid has never been the best player, right? Mm. So when I have max strength, Max strength means I'm trying to apply the greatest amount of force regardless of time, right? So it doesn't matter how long it takes me to reach 500 pounds of force. It doesn't matter. I'm just trying to lift that off the ground. If it takes me seven seconds, it takes me seven seconds. There's no variable of time. At some point, I have to take this max strength. And max strength is a building block for power. Now, the difference between power and and strength is power is I'm trying to apply the greatest amount of force in the shortest amount of time. So you have a thing called the force velocity curve, right? If I have a curve that looks like this, I'm trying to move it to the left. So I want to create the most amount of force 
And now it is a variable of time. Mm. I'm trying to create that force in as little time as possible. Because if I have an offensive lineman, he's exploding out of his stance as fast as he can. He can generate 600 pounds of force, but it takes him three seconds to get to that maximum force. Defenders buy him. So uh, that's when we start working the speed and the power um, to decrease the amount of time it takes you to make create that maximum force. So now I can create that time in 1.5 seconds, and now it, there's more of a carryover to the football field. How it would look like is for strength, let's say I do three by six back squats at 85%. Once you get to that 85% and above and 100% or above, that's when you're starting to work that max strength range. When I get to the power component, I'm going to, I'm going to increase the amount of sets, let's say eight or 10, but I'm going to decrease the sets per set or the reps per set rather. So I would do eight by two, because like I said, I am trying to give the most, if I, when you're just training the central nervous system, like you do in, with, with power, you need your nervous system to be fresh. I can't do reps at 10 and move the barbell for 10 reps as fast as I can, <laughs> right, right. especially with football, because football, you do need strength. So I really don't want these guys to be working at 20% of their max. I still want the load to be enough. So let's say between 50 and 80% versus max strength, 80 and hundred plus. Right. So that's how I wave the intensities based on what adaptation I want the athlete to come out with, whether it's max strength or the conversion of max strength to power. <clears throat> now, do you do you still when you when you break that down for like eight by two or ten by three? Does that weight come down, or are you oh, still yeah. okay? That's a, that's a, that that's for speed then, right? When you start right. doing like ten by three, you might have them do that what on the ninety second or on like on the two minute like that. Yeah. Not, so it's it's three quick reps, and you rack the bar, and the next guy kind of gets ready to go, as opposed to doing like you know five by ten. It's obviously you're not you know, you're not doing 10 reps at like 50%, right? Like, you right. know, like it's, it's totally kind of, that's kind of where you get the speed from, right? If you're doing right. it, like eight by two or 10 by two or something like that, it's, it's, is it quick reps with lower percentages? Right. So like, a, it'll be like eight by two. And usually I stick between 50 and 75%. Movable so quick still, weight. Right. I should be able to move my 75% of my max. I mean, it won't be as fast as 50, obviously, right. but it's fast enough. And if I'm if you think about it from a perspective, if I was doing five by ten, there's no way that barbell is moving as fast as it did on the first and second rep as it does the eighth, ninth, and tenth. They're gonna fatigue. Right. But that's not the purpose of power training. I'm trying to move the weight as fast as I can. Just like if I'm trying to increase speed for the 40, I'm not gonna run 800 meter sprints. I'm going to run 10 and 20 and 30 and maybe 60, but I'm trying. The reason you don't is because you're trying to eliminate the deceleration phase. You always want to be accelerating. That's why when you see someone like Saquon Barkley, they can stick a foot in the ground and by their second step, they're full speed. Mm -hmm. That's what separates them. Or Michael Jordan. I mean, everybody's watching the documentary on ESPN right now, right? You watch him. You are people. He is so strong. That's one yeah. thing they said when they drafted him. They said, we did not know how strong he was. If he didn't have that fundamental aspect of strength, he would not be Michael Jordan and be as powerful as he is because strength is the foundation for power. He was like the originator of breaking ankles and on the basketball court, you know, like yeah. he was the first one where you saw people like, oh shit, like he, he's around me or he's by me. And like, that's, that was true. He was, he was so quick but so powerful at the same time. So I want to digress a little bit. When you said 
there's no way of moving that barbell speed one and two reps of the eighth, ninth, and tenth rep like the same. Like that's a differentiator between bodybuilding and sports training, right? Exactly. Like that's the complete different. Because a lot of people now listening to this are probably like, well, you're not going to get stronger that way. Well, you're going to get stronger that way. You may not have bodybuilder-esque legs by doing 10 by three at 60 or 65%. And that's where you got a lot of bodybuilders doing, you know, max reps or very heavy sets of 10. And they're taking five, six minutes rest in between. They're, they're trying to go for a max growth of that muscle. And that's the complete difference, right? Between training for bodybuilding and training for sports. Like you're trying to find that perfect speed, power athlete. And I think a lot of people can learn from that too. That's a differentiator, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, I mean, you have to ask yourself, do you want to be a bodybuilder? Or do you want to be a football player? Or do you want to be an athlete? Those are two completely different things. Like you just said, a bodybuilder, they are looking for the adaptation of hypertrophy. Muscle hypertrophy means I want my muscle to grow bigger. Right. So usually what will happen is your muscle fibers will grow in diameter, right? Hypertrophy, they grow. So when it grows, it might grow in size, but it doesn't mean it's functional, right? Just because a bodybuilder has giant arms and giant chest and giant legs, you watch them lift when they're doing 20 reps, they're, they're slow. And, and then when you're an athlete, you do not want to move slow, especially somebody like a, even, a, even an offensive lineman. So you look at it from the perspective of hypertrophy, what they're looking for, they're looking for the most amount of muscle mass possible. In sport, that's not always the objective. You always don't want to be as big as you can be, especially if you're running back. Like You don't want to be as big as you can be. There's a place of diminishing returns. And there's also two types of hypertrophy. There's something called uh, sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, which would be something a bodybuilder would get, right? So their muscle grows in size, but it doesn't, it's not functional, like I said before. But then there's something called sacromere hypertrophy. And that's actually increasing the diameter of your muscle fiber, but it's functional units of your muscle right uh, so yeah. now you hit those you hit that hypertrophy you might not grow in size but you're growing in the amount of functional units in your muscle so now you're working in a different type of hypertrophy so it's a double-edged sword i mean there's two right. different types you can work for and the, the later what i mentioned is more what you want to gear towards athletes because there's a big misconception that lifting heavy will make you slow I mean, it will. If you only lift heavy, you will become right. slower. But when you lift max effort, max strength, you run as fast as you can, which is max effort, just as much as squatting as much as you can, you recruit fast twitch muscle fibers, which is the cornerstone of being quick and agile and explosive. And that's when I talk about you get, you create these more functional motor units in max strength, you start recruiting these fast twitch fibers. And now you convert this max strength to power. And now the fast twitch become even more fast twitch. And that's when you can become jump higher because you have like type A, type two fibers. That's right. when you can jump higher. And that's when the, 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 all the strength gains you have made now are going to convert over to your sport. And I'm speaking strictly from, you know, football perspective, power, uh, right. basketball, not necessarily, you know, I'm not going to train a marathon runner like I would a football player because strength is important, but I mean, obviously not even close to the degree it would be for an offensive lineman, a running back, a skill, somebody like that strength is much more fundamental than a marathon runner. I can even play devil's advocate and go on the other side of that coin and say, um, and 
you know what? I, I, I train my clients like this too. So um, I think it's very beneficial to take a step back from the simple movements of building a muscle to the regular global gym to bodybuilding. Like I have my, I have my clients, you know, push, pull, carry twice a week. It's one of those things where I think it's very beneficial to do everything under the sun as you train. And I think a good coach or a, a good trainer should make you be doing those things. Like you should be able to do functional things like carry stuff and carrying stuff is fun or pushing a sled or pulling a sled or working ropes and doing those types of things. Like you don't always have to do some type of curl or shoulder press seated. Like a seated shoulder press is a bodybuilding move. Like that is so non-fucking functional and people think it's great. You're sitting a, a, a steel chair with a, with a hard rubber pad is supporting you as you violently try to push something up to grow something. When do you do that in your lifetime? And I think that's the big thing. So do you, do you think that this is a good way for even normal people? I mean, to just train like this, the general population, I digress people. I didn't mean normal people and call everybody out like that. The gen, the gen pop, I believe the gen, everyone should push, pull, carry. Everyone should be thinking of every time you go into the gym, have the mentality of I'm going to do something different than the day before. I just feel like this way of training is kind of like, I love it that it's been around for so long, but only in certain esque groups like powerlifting and this and that. I think this is, this is how I love to train clients. This is like the, the way of the future. I think everyone should be doing this, you know? Yeah. I mean, Louis Simmons, like coined the phrase, I mean, it was far before him, but general physical preparedness, GPP, like everybody yeah. needs a form of that. Like you said, whether it's pulling sleds or um, one thing I got into as of late is bear crawls. Those fucking suck. Like bear crawls are not easy. Um, and those are just general fitness traits that no matter what sport you're in, you should be able to get on all fours and walk across a football field. And that's saying sprint, walk across, or, I mean, you really should be able to go out and run a mile or two and not die. It doesn't have to be fast, but like a 10 minute pace. I mean, these are general characteristics that uh, anybody should be able to have even deadlifting like you don't have to deadlift heavy but you should have the capability to hinge at your hips bend right. over and pull a barbell off the ground or anything for that matter whether it's a box or I mean it's a basic fundamental human adaptation to pick things off the ground I mean well, that's, that, that's where like that. that's where the hex bar comes into play right like uh, you can put a hex bar on a couple of plates due to the the magnitude of what your clients or what the gen pop can do where they can hinge at and you can build from there you can start up higher and even go lower sure. but I think something like a hex bar is beautiful I had I had a woman that I was training last year who was in her 50s I had her deadlifting on a hex bar she fucking loved it man and that's normal like she started doing that. She's like, I never thought I could deadlift that much. And I'm like, no shit, you can. You're a mom. You have two kids. You've been carrying groceries your whole life. Do you, why, how can you not think you can pick up a hundred pounds on a hex bar? Like that blows my mind because I think yeah. people look at that like, oh no, I don't get me big or I'll hurt myself. It's like, no, that's, that's normal. Like you should be able to do stuff like that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's people, a huge people, thing. Yeah. I mean, there is like a misconception is, uh, deadlifting is dangerous or benching's dangerous. The exercise isn't dangerous. What's dangerous is how you've adapted to these exercises. Like the constant, however 
however you adapt it. I mean, if you're just picking up something wrong every day of your life, you're sitting down on the couch wrong every day of your life. I mean, that's how your body is going to adapt your body. If you're slouched right. all day at work, I mean, you're going to adapt with slouched shoulders. I mean, it's going to be a pain in the ass to fix and get your spine and more of extension, be able to turn on your abs again. I mean, these are just like basic fundamental human movements that we all should have. And, you know, working in this sedentary life, and world we work in now and live in, it just has taken away our basic movement patterns and our basic abilities to do what people do. And that's something, you know, corporate America has to take under, under their arm and, and really work towards making people more active. Yeah. I think that's, that's you're 100% right in that, in that spec, you know, in that scope, it's like, we need to start looking at things in a different way. It's like, are we trying to help people or hurt people? And I think, Nine times out of ten, when someone starts when someone starts working out, they're it's it's hard anyway. Like walking yourself into a gym is not easy. But nine times out of ten, like people go in, they don't know what they're doing, and or they're already almost broken before they walk in. And it's one of those things like they don't know it. But like you said, you sit at a desk all day. Trust me, you're messed up. You're re you're really messed up. You don't think you are. You are. You are. And even if someone who's listening to this goes to the gym a lot and they think they're in great shape. If you've been in this quarantine, you're probably a little tight. Like I said in the beginning of this podcast, like I'm a little tight. Like I just know that from being able to move seven days a week with clients in and out of the gym multiple mm -hmm. times a day, you know, to training myself, to walking around on the weekends or go, go running. Like I can feel things are tightening up just from a month. Now think about somebody that's been sitting around for five to 10 years, 20 years, you know, it's like one of those things, 30, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's wild. But there's one thing you did say, and you said that, you know, Louis Simmons said it. I want to, I want to tell the community or help the community understand, like you went on a trip to go visit Louis Simmons, who's from West Side, uh, West Side Barbell, power lifter, nationally world record holder guy. And like, he's kind of like the godfather of power lifting, right? Like things have changed today, but can you shed some light on how that trip was for you? Because the reason why I want to talk about this is because Every time you and I get together, we bring up powerlifting and Westside and Louis Simmons and what's going on back then towards like what's going on in the future, what we can kind of see where it's kind of going. Um, and I know for a fact that it's changed you in a way because of this trip. I know this is a very powerful trip for you and your community. I want to take a quick break right here and talk about an amazing coffee company called Strong Coffee. Strong is actually an acronym. It stands for Striving to Reach Our Natural Greatness. Strong Coffee brings that specialty coffee experience to consumers in a healthy, done-for-you pre-mixed powder that includes instant organic coffee, grass-fed collagen protein, and MCT oil powder to fuel your mind, body, and spirit for hours so you can spend more time and energy on the important things in life. Guys, if you go to the checkout and you just want to give them a go, use code EVERYDAY for any and all of your orders and you'll receive 15% off the total amount. So guys, once again, head on over to Strong Coffee Company, check them out. If you have any questions, hit me up or go ahead and email them as well. Use code every day for 15% off any and all orders. Thank you guys so much for that 30 second break. And now back to the show. Your younger brother, what did that mean to you? And if you can said, shed some light on it for the community, um, you went down to Ohio to go visit Louie. He invited you in, huh? Yeah. I mean, I emailed him more than once and then never got back to me. One day I was sitting at work and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to give it one more shot. If he doesn't answer me, then I guess I won't be visiting. And he finally answered. And uh, yeah, he's like, just coordinated with Tom Barry, come down. 
I went down and um, me and my brother went to Ohio. And I mean, that trip literally, it literally changed everything for me. Like going in there and seeing guys speed box squatting with like 700 pounds. I mean, he was in bad health then and uh, he was still training with us. He was so giving. He got my brother and I breakfast, lunch and dinner. All four days were down there. But he's the one who first made me realize that it's not just strength that uh, determines an athlete, especially in power sports, but power and speed and agility is just as important or maybe more important depending on what sport you're working in. I mean, I've, I've literally bought every single, almost every single manual he's ever written. And he just puts it into such a simplistic perspective that allowed me to begin to understand like the physiology and the types of different training and different training methods and what strength and power really means, the difference between speed strength and strength speed and explosive strength and learning all these strengths that gave me the confidence to delve into uh, more sophisticated books like super training and um, explosive strength training for all sports. I mean, if it wasn't for him, I mean, I owe him so much just because he was the one who who was able to put it in an academic way without making it academic and allowed me to learn about strength training. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm probably, I'm kind of talking out of my league when it comes to powerlifting. Um, I understand the basics of strength and power and everything like that, but he came up with a method or made a method that was already out better called conjugate. And I don't know, you know, there's probably some people in the community that understand what conjugate, there's probably some powerlifters that listen to this. I know there is. Can you explain in pretty simplistic form? I know you can do it really good because you try to explain to this, this monkey on the other end of this microphone like 10 times. So what conjugate kind of is, and that's kind of like where, where you kind of branch off of that and kind of do conjugate, but kind of do like your own type to it. I know that's how you train also. Like, can you explain what conjugate kind of is? And did Louis come up with that kind of method or was that already out there? No, it was already out there. I mean, if you read super training, they talk about the, um, the history of conjugate, but I mean, he really brought it to America at least and conjugate pretty much in its most simplistic way I can explain it. It's creating as much variety in your training as you can. For instance, you can do a back squat with no box. You can do a back squat with box. You can do a back squat sumo stance, no box. You can do a back squat on a box sumo stance that you can do a narrow back squat. You could do a back squat on a box with bands. You could do a back squat, uh, you know, with no box with bands. I mean, you're just trying mm. to create as much variety in your training as you can. And with this, especially with the West side way, they want to break records on multiple, multiple exercises, right? So all those exercises I just explained, they'll have a max for each one of those exercises. And then throughout the year, throughout the years, they'll try to break those records. And if they see the number or the max go up on one of those records, they assume that their back squat went up. So that way it keeps variety. It keeps the training to not become boring. And also it gives you other numbers than, to shoot for other than just the back squat. You know, because I mean, if you just back squat every day, you're going to get hurt. I see it all the time. I mean, or not every day, but every week, if all you do is back squat. At Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, you back squat, Wednesday, you deadlift, Thursday, Friday, you bench, you do that for 10 years. I mean, you just 
don't use all the muscles and then you become having these overuse centered in injuries, which you see all the time. Like the muscles that are used in a sumo box squat are completely different than that of a free back squat. And I do use a lot of kanji. Like I said, I've read, I've had the honor to meet Louis Simmons to learn his ways for the small four days I was there, the short four days I was there. But I also do go more specific as my training year goes on. So like I'll go conjugate for maybe like two to three months. And then for the next three months, I, I, I narrow my exercises. So my exercise might be like this and I start narrowing, narrowing, narrowing. And then maybe like if I want to max sumo, I get specific instead of hitting all these different varieties of deadlift, I hit the same sumo deadlift for, you know, six weeks. So it feels good. It, I'm supposed, ah. I start to understand like really the pinpoints of the, of getting in position to that exercise and those kinds of things. So that's why I like to get specific and then I get broad again and then I get specific and broad and specific. So it looks, it's just constantly waving and that keeps training fun. It keeps it interesting, but also I do get to become specific at some point because we're all doing this for a reason. Just like I become specific with the bench squat deadlift, just like if I was training football players, similarly, at some point we have to start working on their technique. All right. this training needs to convert to their sport. It's not just about raising the squat or the right. deadlift or the box squat. We need it to go to the football field. And that's, that's, I mean, that's the goal of any strength program. It's not about how strong you're in the weight room, but how it carries over to the field. Now, when you go broad like that and you set yourself up, how long are those blocks that you work? So like when you go, when you start very broad, do you, do you know before you start that next six to eight weeks that you want to go for a sumo deadlift max in eight weeks? Do you know that you want to go for a close skip, close uh, grip bench press in six to eight weeks? Do you pick that now or do you try to figure that out? Is it something that you're like this in this next six to eight weeks? Cause in, okay. In hindsight community, Six to eight weeks ain't shit if you're working out quite a bit. It happens oh, really quick. Next thing you know, a month's over, you're like, whoa, that was four weeks. I got to do this another four weeks? Cool. So when I ask Ross, like, do you pick something out for those six to eight weeks and then kind of close the door, close that gap on it, and then boom, that's what you do, and then go back out and then try something else? Is that kind of how it works in? Yeah, I really like doing phases where I run reps of six, fours, and twos. Like, let's say I run a deadlift on Friday, a three by six, right? I come the next week, three by four. The week after I hit a three by two. I like coming that fourth, fourth week doing a three by six and then trying to beat my first three by six number. The next ah. week I try to beat the three by four. And I constantly, and this is um, progressive gradual overload, right? So I'm going up each week, but at that fourth week, I come back down and I'm still trying to beat a record. And this is what I would call like, my in season, you know, like I'm really trying to make like as many gains as I can. Um, and I, I'll do that for, you know, three months. It's super taxing, especially in the deadlift, but I see awesome results because I just love, um, uh, progressive gradual overload. It gives me some, it no, I know when I came in and I left, like I hit, I was better than I was three weeks ago. I'm better than I was three weeks ago. If I get worse, I'm like, okay, I need to adjust. Maybe I'm just fatigued. Maybe this needs to happen. Maybe I need to take a week off of just maxing, doing the three by six max for the week. But I just think it's, it gives you a specific reference point in what you're trying to beat. You know, you're not just going in there and like, oh, I'm, I'm working on speed. Like at the end of the day, I don't know how fast I'm moving the barbell. I think it's faster. But when I do those kind of blocks, I know if I'm getting better or worse. 
Yeah. So you're not, you're not necessarily trying to max out every week, right? You're just trying no. to see how you feel to maybe go, I mean, what, two and a half pounds heavier on that set on that sixth rep. Like if you can get a pound more, you'd be like, whoa, a pound more, right? Cause you physically moved one more pound than the week before. I think a lot of people get confused on that. And like, you know, what you talked about earlier is you people squat, they squat, they squat, they squat, they try to build their squat up next thing. You know, they're injured and they're behind six, eight weeks. It's one of those things, like I think when people hear conjugate or powerlift, they're like, oh, those guys max out every day. It's not quite a max out. It's, it's finding a heavy for the day, being a man enough to be like, nah, I'm done, you know, or sorry, I hate to say man or woman, but just to, to, to be, have the fucking mental capacity to be like, I probably shouldn't try five more pounds because that one moved shittily slow and the five more pounds could probably crush me. It's not really a max out every week, but you're just trying to do a little bit better. And you base that off of kind of how you feel too, though, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, literally it's, I go up five pounds every, every month. I mean, five pounds a month is a lot. That's a I lot. mean, especially once you get stronger, it's a lot. So, I mean, how it would work is one month, my three by four would be uh, a three by four at 500. The next month, it would be three by four at 505. The next month, it'd be three by four at 510. The next month, it would be three by four at 315. But I noticed like you can't just train the same way forever. You can't. I mean, once you do that for a while, I mean, that 515, it's like, holy fuck, dude, I don't know if I can go up five more pounds without just breaking in half. So that's when I'll kind of come off that kind of training, go back to um, like the conjugate type training where I'm throwing a bunch of different exercises into my training. And I might start working more power because when I'm training that heavy, when I'm just grinding out reps, I get slow. And even in, even in powerlifting, like you had to have some element of speed. So I will go back to the speed type stuff, get my body ready again, and I'll come back. And like I just said, maybe my PR was a three by four at 500. I come back and I'll try to hit a three by six at 500. And usually once I take the time off, I regather, I hit it. And I mean, it's just constantly it's not about being that all. It's not always about being better than I was last month. It's about at this point last year, am I better than I was? Yes. Next right. year at this point, I need to be better because there's, it's just, it's not like my strength is just going to go up all the time without any decline or I can't be at a hundred percent in competition ready all year round. No, it's going to yeah, wave. Right. My ability is going to wave, but each year I'm trying to get better and better and better and better. Whether I mean, and I want all my qualities to get better. I want to move, I want to move 315 faster this year than I did last year. Not just more reps. I want to move faster. I want to have more control. I want to have more authority over that weight. And then um, the same thing. I mean, it's just, I'm just want to get better. I want to be more flexible. I want to get better depth in my squat. I want to squat with my feet more straight. I want to be able to get my, the barbell on my back with a more comfortable position in the back squat. The bench, I don't want to have any pain in my shoulders. Like I'm just trying to get better all the time and being able to avoid injury is one of those things like any strength coach like changing topics if your athletes are getting hurt you are not doing your job 100 whether you're a trainer whether you're, you're training athletes whether you're training gen pop there should be almost no injuries i don't have i've never had an injury under me doing strength training i trained 140 kids at culver stockton college i had zero knee injuries the year before that we had like eight I mean, there should be non-contact ACL injuries. Shouldn't it? Shouldn't exist. I mean, it shouldn't exist. I was talking to my friend who plays at Eastern, and I asked him because I was coming on this podcast. If I can mention him, and he, I asked him, I said, uh, 
in your honest opinion, do you think you would have started at Eastern if it wasn't for me? He said, I like to believe in my mindset and my abilities, but if it wasn't for you, I would have never played a full healthy season. And that's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for. Right. I don't, I'm not the reason he's at Eastern. I'm not the reason. I mean, it's all about the athlete. I'm not the reason he is where he is, but Michael Jordan would have not been Michael Jordan if he wasn't always healthy. Tom Brady would not be Tom Brady if he wasn't always healthy. This, it's, it's, a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You want to be in this game as long as you can, and you'll probably have the most success. Yeah, and you're going to have the better, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have the most reps in, right? You're going to have the better averages of everything in it. And even your worst day is probably better than, you know, someone's best day that's always fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're able to have the ability to come back, and this goes for Gen Pop too, like you just said, like, there's a reason why people aren't progressing or putting five more pounds on the bar because, you know, man or woman, athlete or whoever is still doing the same five by five at the same weight every single time they go into the gym. There's a reason why these things aren't happening. There's a reason why people have shoulder impingements and shoulder pain when they bench or, and then they have to go to dumbbells because they're like, oh, maybe dumbbells will get me stronger because the variance of it, it's not a straight bar. Like you're totally neglecting what's going on. Like if you're injured, you're injured for a reason. And just benching in a different way isn't going to let it go away. Like you have, it's, an injury is an imbalance. It's an imbalance or it's a drastic injury. It's one of the two. There's really no gray area in between there, right? Like you don't just kind of snap your fucking ACL. Like you're either hurt or there's a, you feel a little bit of friction in there before a week before. And like something's kind of off. There's usually like an imbalance. Like in the beginning of the po- in a podcast, you said you take a long time, um, three to six or seven weeks to get kids uh, correct before you start playing football. And you said single leg stuff, single leg modality. Now, if there's people that are listening to this podcast that don't do single leg anythings, you, you go try to do it when the gym, do it today. Do it today. When this podcast is over, put one foot up on your table and start squatting on one leg and then do your other leg. You tell me how hard that is because that will show you a complete imbalance. And I think you are 100% right by saying we need to take injuries off the field. Hell, we need to take injuries out of the gym. And it goes back to people just aren't training people the correct fucking way and or they don't give a shit. You can pick whichever one of those two, right? Especially, especially um, the ACL. So the ACL is a ligament and you have tendons and ligaments throughout your whole body, right? They connect bone to bone or muscle to bone. And a lot of people don't understand, especially people who decide to take some kind of anabolic steroid or they want to grow muscle size very quickly. The muscle will always grow faster than the tendon and ligament. No, even if you're not taking drugs, it grows faster. You have to keep in mind as you get muscle size, you still have to take care of your tendons and ligaments. Your tendon and ligaments don't get good blood flow like the muscle does, right? So you have to really uh, focus in on training those different parts of your body, such as the hamstring toward the knee, or uh, like I said, the ACL. So, you know, you have your ACL and toward the knee. So you need to do tremendous amounts of reps, 50, 70, 100. You need to get the blood flow to your tendons and ligaments, whether even, I think bicep curls are a great way to work your elbow joint if you're doing hundreds of reps. You have to get blood flow to those parts of your body because they're avascular. They don't get a lot of blood flow. So you need to get the blood flow there. And that'll keep those parts of your body healthy. You don't want to tear an ACL because it's weak and it's not getting blood flow. You need to really work on getting the nutrients and the blood to those parts of your body to ensure that you stay healthy for the season. Because those, the ACL takes a pounding during football season. I mean, it's just a huge component of training. 
So it just needs to be a focus and it's not the biceps are the focus, the chest is the focus, but those parts of the athlete are neglected in a lot of training programs I see. And it's kind of, it goes back to, um, if you're just like squat bench or deadlifting, or just going in and doing the same things, like I noticed that when you train, it's more about, I mean, it's, this isn't the correct word, but everyone knows what this word means who, who works out. And if you don't know, we're about to explain it. It's more about the accessories than it really is about the heavy ass lift. So the heavy ass lift is just a very small percentage of what the work you're actually putting in. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, like if you think about it, when you do a back squat, right? certain muscles are going to be hit but there's also a lot of muscles that are important to raising the back squat that aren't necessarily worked just doing the specific exercise of the back squat that's why you see people doing hamstring curls because hamstring activation in the back squat is not all that much it's mostly in the quad and you see like the Bulgarian back squat, the Bulgarian back squat, you can really work your glute or uh, hip thrusters. You can work your glute. I mean, these are muscles that help bring your squat further that if you just squatted, you wouldn't be able to build adequately unless you included these accessories to work on your weaknesses of whatever you're trying to raise, whether it's a bench squat, deadlift in comparison to just powerlifting. Yeah. And it's super important to not just walk out of the gym when you're done with those main lifts. It, it really is to take the time. And would it be something safe to say, like, um, to take, if, if you're, if you're a regular gym goer, if you're a regular gen pop, uh, athlete, if you will take, if you know, you're going to the gym four days a week and you know, you're lifting all four of those days, you think it's very beneficial to take one of those full days and just do kind of some high reps, some band work and things like that. Do you think that's more beneficial than just doing the same four days week in and week out, month in and month out? Oh yeah. Especially for longevity. I mean, yeah. you, you need to work on those accessory muscles. Like your hamstrings are important for just everyday life. I mean, they pull you right. every time you walk, your glute propels you forward every time you walk. I mean, if you're squatting wrong, you're not even wrong, depending on how your body is made. I mean, you might not get a lot of glute activation in the squat. So, I mean, you need to work on those things. It's not just about the bench squat and deadlift to be a human being, right? Like I should be able to put my leg on a bench and do a squat. I mean, that's a pretty, I mean, it's not too difficult or I should be able to do a single leg RDL or um, I should be able to do any of these exercises. And you can use the exercise if you are competing competitively, whether it's football or powerlifting or any other sport to let these accessories build on your weaknesses. Cause uh, I mean, even football, like think about it from, a, I always look at it like, what is the sport, right? You have football. I, I love training offensive linemen. So I'm looking at this offensive lineman and I'm seeing what the sport requires of him. If he just did run blocking and pass blocking, there would be a point where you would hit a wall. I mean, you have to build these weaknesses. Like if he's doing pass sets, he might not be hitting the hamstring, the part of his hamstring that he needs to work to in increase the ability of his pass set. Or he might not be working on the neuromuscular traits that he can work in the weight room to increase the ability of his football play. So that's what you have to look at it from a specific standpoint with the, with the athlete that I'm just trying to make him better on the football field and just doing football type exercises or football drills it's not going to get him to where he needs to go. It's just not. And is it safe to say that like we could probably tell just everyone under the sun, if even if 
people that are going to just a regular global gym or people that are trying to train just even three days a week? Is it safe to be like, hey, do something for like six to eight weeks and then totally switch it back up, but always have like a goal in place? I think that would go a lot farther than seeing the same people day and week and, and year, every single year to year, you see them and the, they're not changing. Nothing's changed. They look the same. They're still talking about, I got to lose this weight. I got to lose that weight. Do you think it's very beneficial to not just do a six to eight week, but like start recording every single thing you put, like you're doing, like you should be looking at putting a pound on something, you know, weekly or even monthly, you should be putting five pounds onto something, right? Yeah. I mean, Lou Simmons says it best. He says, if you don't have a plan, plan to fail, right? I mean, you have to have it. some kind of a plan. And uh, uh, every, I, I track everything, but I don't think the gen pop next necessarily has to track everything, right. but you, there has to be a plan and for you to make a plan, there has to be a goal. Um, I don't know how you train without a goal. I mean, if you just go in and you lift weights, I mean, no shit, you're not getting the results you want. Like the last training, the whole training of my past, you know, since this February, the past year and a half, when I came on your podcast, podcast the first time that got messed up, I told you I was going to deadlift 600. I fucking deadlifted 600 because I put all my training around it. I made everything the way I ate, the way I slept, the type of exercises I choose, I knew was going to help me raise a deadlift. So that's what I did. And if, you, if I didn't have a goal, I would have just been going in there and training for what? Whether it's you want to lose weight. When I was 294 pounds, I said I was going to get down to 220. I got down to 209. You just have to, I mean, there has to be some kind of, it has to, it has to be objective. It can't be like, I want to lose weight. I want to lose 80 pounds by this date, then fucking do it. Put, put your money where your mouth is. Do what you want to fucking do. If you say you're going to do it, don't tell me in six months you didn't do it. You don't have, you don't have the right to talk about it like that. You know no. what I'm saying? Like you, you lose, you lose all sorts of authenticity, not just with yourself, but the people you surround yourself with. Right? Like I know for a fact, there's not one thing that you've said to me in the past two years, probably fucking since I've known you that you've haven't done. You know what I'm saying? That's the truth. And I can be honest with that. And it's the same exact way. Um, if there's anything I ever wanted to do in the gym, I told you I'm going to fucking do it. Or if right. even starting this podcast, I said, I'm going to yeah. fucking do it. You did. Just fucking do it. And I think that's the biggest thing. But the, the biggest thing that people do is that they constantly say what they're going to do and they never fucking do it. And then when that time comes, they have a million and one excuses. That is the type of personality. That is the type of mindset that you will get you fucking nowhere in life. And I think you have to do exactly what you said. You got to pick a goal fucking make that the umbrella. The goal is this. And like you said, whether it's 10 pounds or it's 80 pounds, you have to understand that 80 pounds can't come in a month. Just like everyone that wants to lose 10 pounds, it's not going to come in a month. If it comes in a month, you did the, the incorrect way. I mean, what was your heavy set you were at? You know, like you were, um, you were super heavy before you came down. Yeah. 290. I was 294 pounds. Uh, I got down to like 227. And then uh, I bought Mike Dolce's book. If you guys know who he is, he's a UFC like nutritionist slash trainer. And I got down to 299 pounds. Whatever I started at, to like 230, I dropped 21 pounds in 21 days. That was that was tough. Um, but I mean, just for like a, a little bit of motivation, the hardest thing for anything is to get going, right? I mean, it's so yeah. hard to get going because when you first start, you feel so lost. I mean, in September of 2018, I was running, I was training for the Marines. I was running miles at 242 pounds in under six minutes. I was running like 550 miles. 
And one day I, des- I decided that the Marines wasn't for me. I went in, I max deadlifted 500. I was like, holy fuck, that felt heavy. And I said, by the end of the year, I'm going to do 600. It took me till February, but I mean, I, it took a little longer than I anticipated, but I look at my training from September of 2018 and I'm like, holy fuck, dude, I was an idiot. Like, what, why was I programming like this? Why was I running like this? But you just learn. But once you get going and you get some momentum, you can learn, you can learn. And before you know it, like you get where you want to get to, as long as you have a plan and you're willing to learn trial and error and you'll get where you want to get to if you put your mind to it and you really are a sponge and try to learn to get to that goal. Yeah. I think that's a big thing too, is if you feel lost then you got to try to surround yourself with the people who that, you know, even if you don't know them that know more about that, that certain topic about that space that you want to get yourself into and learning is a great thing, you know, pick up a book. I mean, there's a thing called Google. I don't know. Fucking, you know, use it. I mean, it's, it sounds so silly and dumb, but it's, it's the honest to God truth. Can you read yourself in circles? Yes. But pick up a book, understand what you're trying to get yourself into. At least that is pushing you forward for a little bit of motivation to keep going. And, and if you feel lost, trust me, you're not the only fucking person. I mean, everyone feels lost. You know, that's why I came up with the everyday growth podcast name is because everyone goes through some, some, some sort of growth in one way, shape or form in their lifetime, no matter who you are. Sometimes it's a dozen different things, adversities. And sometimes it's just one major, major thing. And you know, the one thing that I can probably tell that you attest to is the one thing that kind of changed what you were doing is like you said, you went to go see Louis Simmons and that kind of sparked something different in you. And ever since then, since you guys got back, I think it was you and your brother that went and you guys have both changed uh, quite a bit. And now look at you're doing, man. Now, now, now you got a job working with the, the, the football team and you're training kids in the off season and you're writing programs for the kids in the off season and during the season. Like that's fucking great, man. You're doing something that you love, you know, all those, the, the, the numbers and the salary aside that you make at your other job, like you're doing something that you love and you're making it your passion. So kudos to you, man. I think it's a great thing Thank that you. you're doing right now you. with, with all of that. And is that something that you kind of want to get into down the line even more? Like you really want to focus on this in the future? Yeah. I mean, at some point I, I love getting athletes ready for the season and I love helping them get to the next level, whether um, I'm getting a junior ready for senior year, whether I'm getting a senior ready for college ball or whether I'm getting a kid from college, maybe even one day to professionals. Um, One thing I think that's not talked about in America, especially is the psychology of an athlete. And, um, when I knew what I was capable when I played college football, I just never had anybody who believed in me other than myself. Like coaches would rip on me. I was a part of an organization, not an organization, but just a team where I had coaches who would rip on me for putting in extra work, kind of giving me shit. Like, oh, Ross is out here putting in extra work. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that should be the standard of putting in extra work when you can. But uh, I asked this kid, a kid I train if I could name drop him, and I'm going to name drop him. And, I, and Ryan Stewart, um, he plays offensive line at Lincoln Way East. And when he was a sophomore, all the coaches told me that, you know, we don't know if he's going to be a starter at East. We don't know this. We don't know his mindset's not where it needs to be. And I watched, I watched how some coaches coached him. And when you demean an athlete or you try to be hard on them, that's not always what the kid needs. Sometimes the athlete just needs you to believe in him. So uh, I just showed him that I believed in him. I was his offensive line coach as a sophomore. I had him for an off season. We got stronger. Um, and then they gave him to me this 
last off season and I took him from or helped him get from 210 to about 260 pounds. He has six offers now, all from Division Damn. One schools. One offer is from uh, where is it from? I wrote it down. One offer is from Kent State, and I mean, like Kent State. Julian Edelman went to Kent State, and he told me he's like, "You're the only coach who gave me like you gave me confidence." And it's insane what confidence can do for an athlete or for anybody. Like if you think you're the best, you might not be the best, but at least gives you the mindset that you're the best. At least you believe in yourself. And if you have one other person to believe in you, like that could change everything for you. So for like any coach or anybody who is in anybody else's life, like just always believe in somebody like, cause belief can really help somebody out. Cause a lot of people don't believe in themselves and just by having somebody else believe in what you can do or what somebody else can do, it can really impact somebody's life. Because I never had that. I never had anybody believe in me. And I mean, look at my brothers are both chasing, pursuing something they want to do. And I've always believed in them. I always told them, don't give a fuck what about anybody thinks about you except you and do what you want to do. Because it's just not worth it in the end to live in regret and live by other people's standards and just believe in yourself believe in what you can do and always believe in other people, give them the benefit of the doubt, help them get where they want to get. I fucking love that, man. I think that's, I think that's everything right there under the sun that everyone needs to do. And you're, you're absolutely right. When you said we don't talk about it enough. And I think that goes with a lot of things that are out there. Like I think a lot more coaches and a lot more athletes need to open up, not just to one another, but, you know, branch out and just, and keep talking about things that, you know, that might make you mad or might piss you off. Like there's someone out there that's going to listen and you should fucking listen to your other teammates. And I don't think you're absolutely right. I don't think coaches should just beat down on their kids and be that hard headed coach. I mean, that's a thing of the fucking past, man. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's a thing of the past. It really is. We've moved on. And if you haven't moved on, move the fuck on kids, you know, kids and athletes in high school and in college, like, that shit isn't easy, man. Like you are training nonstop. Like I trained, uh, I trained, uh, the team Illinois hockey. I, I trained two teams, 42, 43 different girls for a whole season, right? It was the SNC and the nutrition coach for them. It was an amazing job. I don't know if I'll ever have it again. I don't know if I'm going back next year, but how these girls worked, I've never seen anything in my life. I've never seen it. That's all they did. They were on the road with their books trying to learn. Like they barely went to school. Like literally they barely went to school. Their, their family was the people that they played hockey with. It was wild. I've never experienced anything like that. So when you say something like that, I know what that means. And if, guess what? The coaches that were coaching those girls, they weren't assholes. They understood every thing that they were doing. If they were injured, they took them aside to fix them. They didn't say, eh, fuck you, rub some dirt on it, dickhead, get back in. That's not how it is. You know, it's like you could break an athlete really quick. That athlete might show back up because they're strong. But if this isn't there, then this isn't going to be there. You know what I'm saying? And vice versa. You may have all the heart in the world, but if this is somewhere else and you're trying to bring the heart to the game, you can't bring anything, dude. So I applaud you for even saying that as a fucking Thank coach, you. an up and coming coach, because it takes, it, it takes a fucking big person to notice that, especially that, that trained sports, man. So you fucking hit the nail on the head with that one for sure. I, w I was just blessed to have such, I mean, I had such good parents growing up. My mom, she always told me, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it. She never discouraged me, never made me feel like I couldn't do it. And I mean, she told the same to my brothers and she told, I mean, 
you just got to, it's just, you just got to have some kind of belief. And I don't know where you go if you've had people around you your whole life and they told you, you can't, you can't do it. Right. You can't do it. You can't do it like that. It's too hard. This and that. I mean, that would, that's, that would be difficult. That would be difficult. So that's why wherever you want to get, I mean, try to surround yourself with those types of people who want to get to the same spot you're getting dead or want to get to. I mean, it's important. I love it, man. So we're coming up to the top of the hour and I always like to, I always like to surprise some of my guests and you probably know what's coming, but I'd like to throw you in the hot seat. I'd like you to um, give the athletes or the gen pop that is listening right now, three actionable items that they could probably start doing tomorrow. As soon as this podcast, after they listen to this podcast, they can, they can start right away. What are three great training, um, three great training actionable items that you can give the people right now who are listening in this community? Okay. Training wise, how about a little nutrition on the nutrition side? One, everybody's always talking about after training, you need to eat carbs and protein or fat, right? You need your macros. How about you drink a cup of water with a tablespoon of salt in it? Replenish some of those electrolytes that of sodium that you lost, especially if you were sweating a lot. Um, two, I would say go on a walk in the morning. That's one thing that I've been neglecting lately and I really miss it. I went on one the past two days and I forgot how mind clearing it is waking up. You know, I wake up early going on a walk at five o'clock in the morning. Birds are so loud. It's deafening. That's one other thing. Go on a walk. And I would say eat two fistfuls of vegetables a, a day. So eat um, broccoli or even, you know, you can even classified tomatoes under that or green beans or um, carrots. So that's what I would say. I would say drink a cup of water with a tablespoon of salt after your training. Uh, two, go on a walk in the morning and three, eat two fistfuls of vegetables every day. I love it, man. Got to get that sodium in there, dude. Yeah. So if you get, you guys notice that I asked them for the three things you can use and it's all food. So Shit. That, that, You're right. that tells you right there, like, listen, it's not just, it's not just all training and how hard you train. It's nutrition is a huge fucking component that we didn't even go into no. in this podcast. But Hey man, I want to say thank you so much, Ross, for you coming on and give me some of your time and your energy, man. Cause we always say here on the everyday growth podcast, that time is something that we can never get back and the energy that you gave and displayed for the community. You'll never get back either. So we do appreciate that. And community, I always like to end the, the podcast with, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be a coach. If it wasn't for you, this podcast wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't be in the health and fitness, uh, in the community or the world of the space. And Ross and I probably would have never met. So we do love you guys without you guys we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So Ross, thank you so much for being on, man. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate your friendship, brother. It means a lot. Thank you, man. I appreciate your friendship. And I'm just so honored you had me on. And it's an honor to be on a podcast like this, where the only thing you're preaching is positivity and how to improve your life, which I think everybody wants to do. So it's awesome to have a forum like this to where you can learn uh, about how to improve your life. And I'm proud of you. And this is, this is awesome. I, you should be proud of yourself. Thank you, man. That's very humbling to hear. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. I'll talk to you soon. Community, take care. Thanks. Well, there you have it, community. Live your life each and every day because this life is way too damn short. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the show. But before you go, I really want to ask you a favor. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it to a friend. This is how we're able to grow and educate more and more people each and every day. Also take a screenshot of your favorite part and share it to your Instagram story and tag myself, Everyday Anthony J, so I can see it and give you some love right back. 
Guys, also head over to the brand new YouTube channel. Please subscribe. We are trying to grow that to 1,000 subscribers and have 4,000 listening hours in the next 12 months. It's a huge feat. I don't know if we can make it, but I do believe by the grace of this community, it can happen. So you guys, once again, we love you. Without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So until next time, guys, peace and love. Take care.